welcome to the Real Time Roots podcast. I'm your host, Christy L, and this is my co-host, Sarah. Hello, everyone. At Joybully, we help you grow your own food and remedies so that you can create health and wellness for your family naturally. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about supercharged soup. Soup is an amazing food that you can create in your own kitchen that can contribute greatly to your health and wellness. And we want to talk about the aspects of creating your own soup so that you can do that easily in your own kitchen. So first of all, let's talk about the elephant in the room, Sarah. There's an elephant in the room? There's an elephant in the room. And that is, in fact, it might even be in many people's pantries. And that is canned soup. Do you, do you have canned soup in your cupboards? Tell the truth. Yeah, I think somebody bought me a flat of mushroom soup and it's still there two years later. Oh, I don't even think it would still be good two years later. It's <laughs> still in within its best before date. Oh, maybe if you're not using it, you want to take it to the food bank. It still makes good stroganoff. I haven't quite figured out how to make a proper cream soup base for with my dehydrated mushrooms yet. Ah, you don't really want to use canned soup because it's full of starch, sugar, MSG, extra sodium, and preservatives. <laughs> now, you can make your own homemade soup with just as much convenience as those $16.99 flats of soup from the grocery store. With inflation, they might be $1,699 by now. Sometimes it feels like that way when you get to the till. So here's some of the benefits of soup. One, it's convenient. That's why we all have those cans of soup, right? Because it's super convenient just to open a can of soup, put it in a pot, add a couple of cans of water and heat and serve. But you can have just as much convenience making your homemade soup as the grocery store soup with a little planning. Another benefit is that it's very economical because homemade soup can use food waste, such as, Sarah? Well, it's going to depend on which type of soup you're making. A recent batch of chili that I made ended up getting three cucumbers, an entire zucchini, and an eggplant thrown in. From your garden? Nope, they were from the farmer's market, but I'd had them sitting on my counter for two weeks and they were starting to go soft. Putting them in soup is a great use. And I could still grate them, so it worked. Okay, so eggplant in chili... That doesn't quite sound like it fits. How did that work? It wasn't noticeable once it was turned into grated ribbons. I Same see. Same with the cucumber. I see. And you didn't notice flavor changes in the chili? No, I just made sure to add enough spices to counteract any flavors that came in from the squashes that I added. Well, curcubits. So what you're saying is soup is a great way to disguise vegetables so that people can eat more vegetables. You can kind of sneak them in there. How about how about kids? Do they not notice eggplant in their chili? Well, the toddler didn't notice. And none of the adults I served it to noticed. So homemade soup is convenient. It can save you time because you made that big batch. And then you did you freeze it? Did you can it? What did you do with it? Uh, divided it into gallon bags and froze it. And so when you need it, you'll just throw them into a stock pot? Pretty much. Pull it out, let it thaw enough so I can fit it into the crock pot or a stock pot. Turn it on and walk away. When I make homemade soup, I basically throw everything in the pot with water and walk away. Put it on low, come back to it eight hours later, it's ready. 
Yep, I do that with bone broth. All right. Now, does homemade soup have some health benefits? Well, yes, it does. I'm glad you asked that question. One of the things about soup is that it puts vitamins and minerals into an easily absorbable form because it's already liquid and all of the antioxidants and flavonoids and and vitamins and minerals are in the broth. You take it in, it's already partially digested before you even eat it, and so it's easy to assimilate into your body. So some of the benefits also of this easily digestible (laughs) broth is that it helps to heal the gut because your tummy doesn't have to work so hard to digest soup. And it also improves dental health because of all the minerals that are in the broth and bone health. Especially if you make bone broth. Yes, we're going to get to bone broth. Bone broth is a special kind of soup. Oh, and And some people think that soup tastes good too. Well, it has been part of traditional diets for eons. So somebody has to think it tastes good. So Sarah, what's your favorite kind of soup? I like defaulting to making everything but the kitchen sink soup. Okay, that's what you like to make, but what do you like to eat? Tell me your favorite soup to eat. Chili. Chili? Yeah. I just learned this year that chili was soup. I thought it was like a casserole. I didn't realize it was soup. You could turn it into a casserole by sticking it in a baking pan and topping it with something. Cheese. Top it with cheese. And nacho chips. Oh, yum. You're making me hungry. That would be an interesting way to reheat some chili. My favorite, oh, now that you're talking about favorite soups, my favorite soup is French onion soup. With beef broth? With beef consomme and caramelized onions and a big wad of French bread and melted Parmesan cheese. That's my favorite. I also like chicken noodle soup. All right. So if someone was used to opening cans of soup and wanted to try their hand at making homemade soup, what kind of equipment would they need, Sarah? Well, they'd need a pot, preferably at least a gallon, probably two gallons. Two gallons? That's a big pot. Most people don't have two-gallon pots. Uh, My large stock pot... No. Well, my extra large stock pot is a four gallon. My regular size stock pots that I use for pasta and stuff are about one gallon to two gallons. Yeah. So my the pot I use for making soup is five quarts. So just over a gallon. Okay. So something over four quarts. Yeah. We'll make it I, w- I would say a gallon. That's probably easy. And then you're going to want your cutting board, your knife. Knife again. Sharp knife. Remember sharp knife. Sharp knives don't cause cuts. Dull knives do. And you might want a grater if you're planning on putting in anything like, say, zucchini or eggplant that people in the family might not like the texture of if it's in big chunks. Or you could just use your knife skills and and cut very finely, like in a mirepoix. You could. It's also fun just to grate it because it just blends in 100% into the broth. So you mentioned that chili is a type of soup, but there's other kind of traditional dishes that are also soups like goulash or borscht, or pho, or gumbo. And many people might already be making those at home and not realizing that they're making a traditional soup. That's true. There are lots of traditional dishes that basically any traditional dish that has a broth base is going to classify as a soup, unless you're baking it. 
Couldn't you have a baked soup? Well, you can have a cold soup. They do a cold cucumber yogurt soup sometimes. Or gazpacho. Yeah, that's a cold, a cold soup. soup. It's a cold soup, yeah. You're right. Does it start with the broth? I think it starts with yogurt. Or, or tomato or, juice. Or it's tomato juice or something similar to that. One of the reasons that people use soup as an as a appetizer to a meal is because it starts the gastric juices flowing and improves digestion. That's often why soup is served at the beginning of a meal. Like if you go to a fancy restaurant, they'll bring you a course of salad or soup. And it, that's the reason both of those are digestive aids to help get the digestive juices going, the salad because it has a bit of bitterness, and the soup because... As you said, it's a form of easily assimilated vitamins and minerals. I thought the expensive restaurants did that just so they didn't have to serve you as big of a main course. No, it's to help digestion. A lot of people have really poor digestion, really, because of their diets. And so it's a way, if you have your digestion going ahead of time, then when you get the main course, you're not going to be complaining that it's bad food because you've got a stomachache. I see. Now, if you're thinking about what type of pot you want to use for making soup, you can use something like an instant pot, a crock pot, or any type of non-reactive stainless steel. Why stainless steel? Why not cast iron? Well, cast iron is reactive to anything acidic. So you don't really want to use cast iron as too much iron in your diet can be detrimental. Yes, that's true. Um, they do have cast iron pots so that are lined with porcelain, and those pots are just fine to use for making soup. Yeah, because they have a non-reactive liner. That's right. So you want the non-reactive side. A non-reactive pot, right. You're also going to need some kind of um, a ladle, a soup ladle, some stirring spoons, a strainer. Other than that, you probably have those things already in your kitchen. And I like starting out my soup by using just a stirring spoon, and then I only grab the ladle when I'm actually going to serve it because ladles don't scrape the bottom of pots very well. So another thing that's really important for soup is to have some bones or some kind of a carcass, like a chicken carcass or a turkey carcass. If you um, have just had a roast chicken or a roast turkey, then it, this is a great thing to do with the bones. So instead of letting your family gnaw on the bones, cut the meat off the bones and then reserve the bones for soup making. And you'll make a lovely broth that is rich in collagen, which is great for your bones and your joints. Now, the other thing about soup is you want to cook it for a long time, but at a very low simmer. You don't want the pot to come to a boil initially as you're making, say, a broth, because you don't want to damage the protein or the collagen. You want it to be just below boiling as you're simmering. So if you're using a slow cooker, you want to cook it on low. Um, if you're having it, a pot on the stove, have it on low heat at the right temperature just to keep it below boiling. Now, the other advantage of a slow cooker is that you could set your soup on, get everything in the pot, set it to go the night before and go to bed and wake up and it's ready to strain to get a nice clear broth. Um, whereas you wouldn't want to put your pot on your, on your stove on the burner and go to bed. Nope. Do not leave stoves unattended. Right. But you can leave a slow cooker unattended or maybe start it in the morning and then go to work and come home and it's ready to go. Now, broth is often made out of more than just bones. 
and often it's made with the initial ingredients being stuff that you normally wouldn't think about eating. Like carrot peels, parsnip peels, or clean onion leaves. skins. The tough part of the onion that you normally don't chop up to include in a dish. Those onion skins have a lot of flavonoids and even some flavor to impart to broth. So since you don't get a lot of scraps from an average meal, probably unless you're making Thanksgiving dinner, you're probably not going to have enough scraps in a given day to start a batch of broth instantly. So a great thing to do is to set aside soup suitable scraps in a bag in your freezer. I do that. I set aside things like green onion tops, the green parts of leek and onion skins and celery tops and carrot peels, parsnip peels. The one caveat though is you want to avoid things that are really strong tasting like cabbage. Avoid putting cabbage in unless you're aiming for a cabbage soup. And then those waste things can be used as the basis for your highly nutritious broth. That is what you cook in your slow cooker first, and then you strain it. And the bones and all of those waste things that you've just cooked for a while, you reserve the liquid and you toss the other parts. And then you assemble your onions, carrots, potatoes, meat, etc. Put them in the broth and make your soup out of that. You mean the things you're actually going to eat... in your broth, not the scraps this time. Yep, that's what I mean. The things you're actually going to eat. The scraps are just to make the broth and to make it full of flavor, nutrition, and benefit. So something I learned in the last week was I was listening to a talk by Sally Fallon from Nourishing Traditions, and she was talking about making bone broth. And she said that when she makes bone broth, she actually strains out the first broth and then fills up the pot with water again and makes a stock from the bones again. And I didn't know that you could do it more than one time. And so the first one that she takes off is bone broth, but the second one she takes off is a stock, and then she uses that stock as her soup base. Did you know that? No, but it sort of makes sense, and it gets the most benefit out of the material you're working with. Um, when you're making a bone broth, some of the, the things to do, it's rich in collagen because there's lots of connective tissue. And so it's really good to have bones that have lots of connective tissue, like, like the gristle and the gelatin. And so when you're working with bones, um, say you have a bone from a roast or a bone from chicken legs, um, it's good to, to include the whole bone. Yep, don't trim off the gristly portions before you make your broth. Include them, because that makes the broth even better. If you're just getting started thinking about using herbs to make something so that you can feel better and start to tap into the natural wellness, I've got the perfect course for you. My course, the Inspiring Botanical Drinks Mixers and Elixirs course. In this video course, you'll learn how to make healthy beverages that will help you break away from sodas and sugary drinks or plain boring water. Even if you have a two or three soda a day habit, even if the kids are home and you keep running out of ice and ideas, even if you struggle to get enough fluids in your body because of the heat, even if you are watching your macros, your carbs, or your waistline, 
even if you have food sensitivities or allergies, and even if the rising price of food and drink has you making tough decisions about where to cut costs. If you are making more food at home and watching your budget, but go to the same bottled beverages day in and day out, this class will inspire you to up your game in the beverage category with healthy and creative options that are also kind to your budget. So have a look at the inspiring botanical drinks, mixers and elixirs class. You'll find the link in the show notes. Now, Chris, what shouldn't go in a soup? What shouldn't go in? I would leave out anything that's moldy, um, anything that is inappropriate for food. Um, I would leave out anything that's super strong tasting, like cabbage. Unless you're making borscht. Well, that's a particular kind. Um, And we've been talking about bones, but you can make soup, uh, vegetarian soup as well. And with vegetarian soup, I would include a lot of herbs like thyme and oregano and parsley. Um, and you can even use like the the stalks or the stems of herbs. You don't have to have all the leaves. So let's say you made um, let's say you made some pesto with basil leaves and you have the stems left. That's a great thing to add into soup or stock. Do you, do you remember the, the kids' nursery rhyme, peas porridge hot, peas porridge cold, peas porridge in the pot nine days old? Some like it hot, some like it cold, some like it in the pot nine days old. <laughs> That's actually, that nursery rhyme is about soup, and it was about pea soup. And the reason it was nine days old is because the they used to have the pot of soup on on the fire, it was an open fire in the house. And as they took bowls of soup out, they would simply keep adding more water and more stuff. So if they brought in, you know, carrots from the garden, they would put them in the soup. And then um, that day there'd be carrots in your soup and they'd serve out the soup and then they'd fill it up again that night. And the pot could go on for the perpetual soup pot. It's a perpetual soup pot. And I thought that was just a nursery rhyme, but I was reading something today and they're actually still doing that. There's actually restaurants that will make a pot of chili and have a perpetual pot of chili that they keep adding to. And they actually do a huge ceremony when they dump the pot, clean it and start over with fresh. And uh, that was profound to me. I'm sure you'd get a very interesting depth of flavor. I think there'd be a very interesting depth of flavor. I'm I'm going to withhold judgment because I've never actually eaten that kind of soup, but I was um, kind of fascinated that that was still happening. You have a wood cook stove. You could technically try it. Yeah, they said that the soup is always kept at, at at least 160 degrees, so it never is um, microbially active. It's pasteurized all the time, and they just keep adding ingredients. So... That is another way to do soup. Let's talk about bone broth. We've kind of hinted about bone broth, but bone broth is a very special soup. It's also super expensive if you buy it to use at home. You can buy it in cartons now to use at home, or you can even buy powdered bone broth that you then stir into some water. I, I saw some today, and it's super pricey because it is the I would in just thing. buy collagen versus bone broth powder. They, they sell both. They sell both. And so let's talk about it because bone broth is one of the least expensive and easiest soups to make. 
And so as long as you're making it yourself, because apparently in this grocery store, it's really expensive. Right. Exactly. So let's talk about how to make it. So first of all, the health benefits of bone broth are that they're rich in collagen and gelatin, and that's where most of the health benefits are. In fact, if you're feeling under the weather and starting to feel a little bit sick, chicken soup, grandma's chicken soup was one of the cures of cold and flu and absolutely should be in your arsenal this winter as we're coming into cold and flu season. So let's talk about how to make it. Well, obviously we start with the bones. Right. And my favorite thing is to do like a roast chicken or roast turkey and then reserve the bones for bone broth. And you don't have to make the roast yourself. You can always use a rotisserie chicken. Absolutely. Great idea. And the second thing you need is vinegar. What does the vinegar do? It provides an acidic environment to help leach minerals out of the bones so you can get them. So surprisingly, they've done studies on the actual amount of minerals in bone broth, and there isn't actually a huge amount of calcium and phosphorus in the bone broth. So the vinegar does leach some, but it's not as much as what people thought. But that doesn't mean the broth isn't healing, and most of the healing comes from the gelatin, the collagen that's in that bone broth. Admittedly, I do like the flavor of adding the apple cider vinegar to the soup anyway. Yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of that acidity. Now, you don't have to use vinegar. You could use lemon juice if that if you like that better. There are some people that are really averse to the smell of cider vinegar. Um, I don't recommend using white vinegar. It's, it has no nutritional value at all. So a wine vinegar is great. Or you could use wine. Wine also has the aci- a little bit of acidity. And that is actually one of the reasons that in French cooking they would use wine is to add a little bit of acidity to the gravy or the sauce just to give it that more complex flavor. And then this is where you would also add in those kitchen scraps you're saving in the freezer like your carrot skins, potato skins, um, parsley stems, celery tops, maybe the guts of pumpkins, especially in October, peels of pumpkin the peels that you're going to take off. Um, All of those are great things. Um, One of my favorite things is root vegetables. Fall root vegetables in broth is delicious. I love parsnip. Um, It's hard to find parsnip in the grocery store, but I, I absolutely love parsnip in soup. But right now we're just starting with the parsnip skins. Right, the parsnip skins. And then you want to simmer the broth. It's important that it doesn't actually come to a rapid boil. You want to keep it just below boiling. Um, And as Sarah mentioned earlier, using a slow cooker is a great way to do that. If you don't have a slow cooker, you can also put it on low at the back burner of your stove. If you happen to have a wood cook stove, you can put it on the side of the wood cook stove as well, um, just to keep it simmering. And you want it simmering for at least six hours for, for chicken. For beef, a full 20 hours is good. If you're working with, say, a fish stock, then it's only a couple of hours. So it depends on what you're putting in the pot, how long to simmer it for. And as we already mentioned, you can use the bones and scraps more than once. First batch will be bone broth. Second batch will just be a very flavorful stock. So don't be afraid to use your bones more than once. And then after you've cooked it, you want to strain it using a fine strainer and just a a fine um, heat safe strainer. I I let my broth cool to almost room temperature before I strain it. And then I strain it 
and then it's I put it in um, quart jars and put it in the fridge so the fat can rise to the top. Or you can just transfer it to another soup pot if you have space for an extra pot in your fridge. Right. Now, you don't necessarily have to remove the fat. When I would remove the fat from the top is if I was going to freeze it then to save it for later. But if I was going to cook with it right away, I would just stir the fat in. Usually there's about a quarter inch of fat on the top. It's not usually that much unless you're using really fatty pieces of meat with the bones. Now, there's lots of ways to use the broth. You can drink it as a hot drink. You can use it as the cooking liquid for doing rice or rice noodles. You can use it for a sauce base. You could even make gravy out of it if you wanted to. You can obviously use it as a soup base for making more soups. And you can even use it to rehydrate and prepare couscous. Or rice. Or quinoa. How do you say that word again? Quinoa. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) These words that we read but we never hear. Quinoa. So I I do want to clear up a misconception. Some people think that you can make bone broth vegetarian and you can't because what you're getting from the bone broth is really the gelatin and the collagen and that is an animal product. You can make vegetarian stock and you can get all the flavor and you can get nutrition from vegetarian stock, but that's not equal to bone broth. It's a different product. Gelatin only comes from animal products. However, if you want to make healthy soup, you can make healthy vegetarian stock. Yes. And it will be full of flavor and full of nutrition from the vegetables. It just won't have the benefits of bones. Or gelatin or collagen because that's animal protein. Collagen is actually a protein. So we're coming up to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving often comes with a turkey or a chicken. And so this is a great time of year to learn to make bone broth using the carcass of your Thanksgiving turkey or chicken or whatever if you're using meat for your Thanksgiving dinner. And so we want to encourage you to take positive action by making your own supercharged soup using the bones from your Thanksgiving dinner. And if you'd like to learn more about making soup from a turkey, you can go to joybeliefarm.com backslash turkey dash soup dash recipe and learn how to get the most out of your Thanksgiving turkey. So today we've been talking about making homemade soup, some of the health benefits of homemade soup, how to get started, and specifically how to make bone broth because bone broth is one of the basics of soup making. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about something fun, something interesting, and something exciting. So be sure to join us for the next episode. Thanks, Sarah, for joining me today. And thank you, listeners, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends. And remember to like, subscribe, and bye-bye.